Hi, and welcome to Rescuing Churches. If you love pastoral life, ministry, and church revitalization, this is a great place to join the discussion about why the local church matters, how we can help the ones that are in decline, and be an encouragement to their pastors along the way. We'll even get to hear stories from special guests about what God is doing in the church at large. This show is hosted by two guys who serve the local church and is for everyone within the local church. Thanks for tuning in today. Let's go. Alright, hey church leader, welcome into yet another episode of Rescuing Churches, where it's still a great adventure, rescuing churches. Always adventures. Talking about church revitalization, ministry life, pastoral life, just doing ministry in general is kind of a great adventure. Yeah, had a I couple mean, of good good weeks. We were in Birmingham. You uh, never know Grace, what might happen. Grace Community Church. Grace, Grace Community Church. Yep, and we were in Jasper, Texas Yep. Uh, with our friends from Jasper and from Louisiana, uh, visiting with a pastors pastors meeting there and then i was in georgia this past weekend with uh, pleasant hills congregational church um, they had their uh, pastor association meeting for the community there uh, for the local pastors so we've been adventuring lot, around adventuring <laughs> around a lot of good meetings a lot of pastors we want to encourage and help and be a part of their ministries and teams and uh, it's been a blessing to be a part of all that we appreciate all the invites and all the support big time big time uh, from all those guys Right. Today, we sort of want to lean in on this idea of revitalizing a church. And in, in light of, we want to do that sort of like drawing from a section of Nehemiah in order to do it. So you talked through a sermon. Because I studied Nehemiah. You studied Nehemiah like crazy when a you lot. you taught through, <laughs> yes. you taught through all of Nehemiah uh, not long ago uh, here at Northside, where you serve as a lead pastor. And within Nehemiah, there's this concept, this idea of the remnant. So first, before we even... And rebuilding. Nehemiah is all about rebuilding for the glory of God. Absolutely. Which, and I'll drop the link into the show notes, but for those of you that want to check out that sermon series, you can find it at northsidemobile.org or on the Northside podcast. Either way, I'll drop those links in um, and you will just search for rebuilding for the glory of God. That's what the name of the series was. Yeah. It's a, if you're, if you're a pastor that's in a situation where you feel like your church needs to be refreshed, renewed, um, what we did, we called ours rebooting a while back. Yep. Uh, got real fancy with it and we rebooted our church. Um, some of us just wanted to boot the church, but we rebooted it. And uh, in doing all that, um, if you want to, if you're really thinking you need some fresh stuff, Nehemiah is a good place to go to get absolutely your hands on some very strong leadership data, some very strong team working data. Uh, there's all kinds of good stuff in there. We're going to probably do several podcasts around a bunch of that that I'm working on now to put to boil down to these simple points. And what happens in the first part of Nehemiah is he needs to go back and rebuild the wall, two and a half mile long wall that's a huge project without any John Deere equipment or any cool stuff like that. He's got to just get a bunch of guys to move these 10,000 pound stones and put this wall back together. And the Lord allowed a remnant to stay there, not a revenant, (laughs) which is the 
really cool movie about a guy that gets killed mauled by a bear. Not a revenant, but a remnant. Just a remnant. <clears throat> yeah. He leaves a remnant of people back um, in Jerusalem to help Nehemiah with this rebuild. Um, and along with that remnant, there's some good people and some not so good people. And I say in every church rebuild, every church replant, every church, um, when you're just trying to revitalize a church, if there's people that were already there and you're not starting brand new with all your people, there's going to be a remnant there. And and that remnant is partly good people, um, partly people that can become good helpers, and then there's going to be a handle. Somebody in there is a handle, a problem. So, Not that that ever happened. Yeah, yeah. So I've given church, really. I've given them little catchy titles for me to be able to help pastors work through this. Um, I can't imagine people being a handle right. in, in the church world. Right. Just exactly. Can't, can't ever yeah. imagine that. So okay. So we've kind of. I mean, that's what I was going to have you do was break down this idea of what exactly a remnant is. But you've it's the leftovers. Yeah, it's the leftovers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's so much we could do with this. Going to have some. Going to have some. some Remnant beef stew tonight. Yeah, we should just go teach back through that series, and I could change my graphics completely. So, um, okay, so we've broken this down and kind of defined it now, but let's get into a a little bit more of an outline and talk about these four specific categories of remnants. Right. And and this is very much in light of modern day church planning or revitalization ministry drawing from Nehemiah. So exactly what Nehemiah ran into. Exactly. Exactly. So. This is kind of a cool concept here. So first, you've got the the true remnants, or what you would refer to as the servant-hearted and devoted people of God. How do you specifically find these people, and what like attributes are you? Well, looking part for? part of a pastor's role is to be somewhat discerning. I do not have a gift of discernment for sure, um, but you have to at least be somewhat discerning with the people that you begin to work with uh, when you cast a vision at the church for the calling that God's put on you at that church for Nehemiah. He's returning. He traveled 900 miles. He stopped uh, his job as waiter cupbearer to the King and went back to Jerusalem to put this wall together. And what he found there were some very servant hearted people, um, good remnants. They were true remnants who wanted to see the glory of God restored in the facility uh, in the city of Jerusalem, they wanted to see God's work done and God's glory reflected by the behavior of the people. And when Nehemiah ran into those people, he identified who they were. Uh, if you look in chapter three, uh, he starts putting them to work in groups. Hey, you take this section, you take that section, you help with this. And they're all like, yay, awesome. And they're very servant hearted. It actually talks about how hard they worked. And if you've read the book, it's 52 days, and this miracle wall goes back up in 52 days, 30, 40 foot high in most places. Um, it was incredible for 40 plus families to do that. It's literally impossible um, for it to happen without the, the hand of God being on them. But what what Nehemiah had to do is find those servant hearted people. And when you start working at your church as a pastor, you can tell the people who come alongside you and say, "Hey, anything you need." Tell us how you need. Tell us what you need. Sure. Um, and they're the people that when they say that and you give them something, they go get it done and come back and go, what else do you need? Um, they're servant hearted. They don't they don't mind doing the hard work. You know, you can, you may have that guy that you go, hey, I, you know, I don't have time to cut the grass this week at church. Can you help me with that? And he's like, I'll be right there. Yep. You know, get my buddies. We'll come cut the grass. Um, I don't have time to do this or that. Or can you help me with this? And they're, they're there. They're servant hearted people. And when you find those people, they are definitely the true remnant. 
that's purpose is not to get glory to themselves. They're not trying to do anything to be, you know, teacher's pet, pastor's pet. Right. They literally just want to see God's work done in God's way in God's house. And some of the churches that we've helped um, begin to restore, uh, we ran into those people. You know, there's the, oh, yeah. the little old deacon fellow that just goes, you know, I just want to help. Tell me how to help. You know, I serve at your will. Whatever you, whatever you guys say we need to do, I'll just help you do it. Absolutely. And, and some of that's really hard. Hey, we got to dig this whole sewer line up. I'm, yeah. Give me a shovel. Yeah, exactly. Um, they're in there. <laughs> we've got those you know? stories. <laughs> or we've got to go. We got to go confront some family that's being a problem. Oh yeah. Know? That's one of the other people we're going to talk about. Yeah. They're and in this, another category. And the same thing. This servant-hearted person at the church goes, "Hey, I'll help you. I'll go with you. I'm not looking forward to it. Yeah. I don't like conflict, but, but I'm not, not going to let, let you do it by yourself. But it's the right thing to do so they're servant-hearted right serving for the glory and the purpose of god absolutely so that's very important big time big time all right and the second category and and i've <laughs> I, you know i'm just i'm thinking about a lot of these categories and i do this with a lot of your stuff but i just think about this because i'm in i'm a you know a journalism major from college an english minor by by nature so sometimes my my word brain comes out, and I'm like, "There's other ways we could have worded this," but I'm like, "You pick it. You pick but, your own way." Well, but call, I'm just call what you want to call. But I'm just like, I, I think he liked wording it this way. Yeah, well, that's who they are. <laughs> yeah, it's like okay. So the second category for well, some of the wor- phrases for this are not <laughs> supposed to be said out loud by Christians, right? Well, the pastors are going to love this. The second category for if you're on the edge of your seat are the glory hogs. Yeah, <laughs> and I think every pastor knows exactly what we're talking about. Absolutely, here, so. it's it's the people that have been there through probably the decline of the church, the yep. the hard times. Somebody's come in like you that has vision and mission and leadership skills, and you know, even if you don't have those, God's given them to you for the time being for right. you to get through it and get it done. Yep. And good things are beginning to happen, and these guys just want to make sure they're in the limelight. Yep. Make sure I get attention. And, I want some credit. Hey, that was my idea. I've been telling you all for years we should have done that, and you know all that kind of stuff. Some but, credit. But they're really just in it for their for attention. Exactly. They're they're not always. They're definitely not hard workers. Right. Um, they're usually not spiritually minded people because their flesh is driving this pride issue with them. Big time. And their humility is non-existent most of the time. And you can just tell when you're hanging out with them, you know, they want to be in every picture that's made. You know, if you're putting stuff, posting stuff about, hey, we just had this great time of cleaning up the church. And, you know, they got there for the last five minutes of it, but they're in the group picture. You know, they're the person in the very center of the group picture going, look at what we did. Exactly. You know, they pour water on their face, look like they're sweating and that kind of thing. Exactly. They're just glory hogs. And, uh, I mean, I've worked with them for a number of years a lot of churches they're in every church oh yeah they're all they're all, they're all out especially there. one that's going going through a change and revitalize and all that they yep. they tend to want to be up in the middle of stuff for their own sake and i think you kind of think that sometimes this is like a maturity it's it's a maturity thing and you kind of think oh well that's something that you don't really deal with in most adult believers but right. it, it's there it, it really is and sure. it's what what's the best way to for speak to the pastor that is coming up against that and doesn't know how to handle it. How do you handle a glory hog in your church? Well, you gradually pull them off okay. and you're having one-on-one conversations with them. You're asking them to, to help you with stuff that's behind the scenes and say, I just need this to stay behind the scenes. This yeah. is not anything anybody needs to be dealing with, but me and you, yep. and you teach them what behind the scenes looks like. And you teach them that the glory is really in the fundamental work 
behind the scenes. Which and, then, and at, of the course, end, at the end of the day, teaches them humility. <laughs> yeah, and of course, you're telling them verses about humility all the time. You tell them how you know Christ could have done so many things, so much more glorious than he did. He exactly. did it very humbly as a as a peasant carpenter. Yep. You know, he went around healing people. He didn't, you know, walk around in a big white, you know, flashy Benny Hinn suit. Yeah, sorry, exactly. Sorry for all you Benny Hinn fans. Um, he didn't walk around in that trying to heal people and get himself on, you know, the local news. Um, he literally was just a peasant carpenter wandering through villages trying to help people. And um, he his ministry was, was humble and low, lowly, and his spirit was humble and lowly and meek. And so you have to begin to disciple them in that. You really need to try to take them off their game. Uh, it's really, really at the at the key of that um, to take them off their game. Yep, that's really important. And then number three in in our categories here are the doubters and the downers. Um, I appreciate the alliteration. Mm-hmm. Why do some people? I mean, I mean, this is just maybe by human nature, but why do some people act specifically within regards to church ministry as doubters and downers? Well, you know, I guess you could probably do some little psychological evaluation. I'm not, you know, I'm not even qualified to play a psychologist. I, I don't even pretend to be one on the radio here. But <laughs> um, but, but I will tell you that, you know, people with the melancholy personalities, they sort of see the glass, you know, half empty, broken in half, and able to cut you to death, kill you if you drink from it. Oh, yeah. Or full of poison or whatever they see. They just see life through that grid of negative. Now we all know who we're talking about. Yeah, <laughs> they see life through a negative lens. Um, and they, especially when a church has been through a lot of hard things, bad things, bad pastors, bad leadership, yep. bad church members, conflict of church members and pa- pastors and deacons and all that. These are the people that hang around, they're remnants, oh, yeah. hang around. First of all, they love the drama, so they hang around to tell the stories. Yep. But what I've noticed as we're helping these churches is there's always that one or two that want to be sure in a meeting when you're, you're I'm an outsider, 614's an outsider speaking into this church saying, here's one of the things we want to try. Right. We saw this not very long ago, a church nearby here that we helped. Um, every idea I had in one meeting, somebody... One person shot it down. Everyone, we we did that before. Didn't work. We've done that before. Didn't work. You know, we've tried all that. Didn't work. I'm like, but you haven't tried it with the new leadership team. You haven't tried it with this fresh start that we have. You haven't tried it in this last five years because you've tried it so many times before and it didn't work. You you know, eventually you may fish that hole and it may work, right? So, and if I'm feeling led as the new leader of this team to do that, then we need to get on the page and get it done. So, but your doubters and your downers are always like, well, that's never going to work. Or, you know, I I don't even know why they think of these guys. They're just very negative. They have a very negative personality. Those people you have to call and you have to call them off to the side and say, your language defeats hope in our church. Your language defeats helping in our church, and I need you to change your language tone, or I just need you to not talk in meetings. Sure, I've said that to a couple people in meetings before. Hey, it really won't help me if you just shoot this down. Every time I talk, you're shooting stuff down, and you're, you you think you're helping because uh, you're giving your opinion, but you're not. You're you're defeating the room before we ever have a chance to have hope that there's an idea on the table. Yeah, and if it gets to a point where you know you've got to, as a minister, as a as a pastor, take that person out for coffee or lunch or breakfast and explain it to them and say, you know, very, you know, nicely, this is what's going on. Right. And, you know, and, and, and the heart that, to heart with that person. Well, and I've done that. And here's that conversation. I asked them, do you believe that God can do miraculous things? Sure. Yes. Okay. 
Do you believe that God can do miraculous things even if you don't think they could be done? That's a little harder question. Yep. Because I'm like, what I want them to understand is God's about to do something miraculous in this ministry that you're a part of, whether you believe it or not. And all you're doing is casting doubt on it. Yep. Nobody thought Jesus could heal, you know, people, feed 20,000 people. Nobody just walked up and believed all that at first. And then it happened. Yeah, and then it happened, right? <laughs> um, all of his work, the, the build, rebuilding Nehemiah, there's people outside the walls of Jerusalem that were mocking the builders, saying, oh, yeah. even if a fox jumps on this, it'll never work. That's the Debbie Doubter, you know? Sorry, sorry Debbie. Uh, <laughs> my sister-in-law, Debbie, sorry about that. Um, that's the doubters that are saying that. And Nehemiah just ignored them. You know, he's like, keep building. It actually says, build anyway. and they kept building. Yep. People complained, criticized, and mocked they them, kept building. and they kept building. So you just keep working past them. But at times you need to call them out and say, your language is defeating us. And you're not helping leadership get any traction when you talk negatively about everything. And speak to the pastor that decides to do that. And then in the midst of it, either realizes I'm going to lose that person, they're going to walk, or they could potentially walk. And I don't want to lose them, but it may happen. Yeah. What do you say to that? This is this is the other very good question. This is the other critical part of rebuilding a church. Some people just need to walk. And it's very hard to let go because if go. you're already down to five yep. and three are fixing to walk over this, you're like, well, now we're down to two. Exactly. <laughs> right? exactly. um, what's the point of that? But it, the two, if they're the servant-hearted, we're doing what God's called us to do, we're on mission. That's the remnant. Yeah. Now you can rebuild the wall. Exactly. Now you can rebuild the wall. And you can do it with the help of God rather than thinking the help of man's going to help you. That's right. Um, and it's hard because some of those people you love, you don't want to let go. Yep. You know? They're good-hearted people. They've just got themselves in this dark place where they can't see positive. Exactly. Right. They can't have the hope that they need to have, that God can do this. Which is ultimately so necessary. Very much so. And then the last category, and uh, and one of our favorite categories for having to deal with in ministry, is the bully. The bully. <laughs> so let's, let's deal with the bully who's... Some... We, should get, we should get the uh, Bob the Tomato. What's that group? The VeggieTales group. VeggieTales, instead of doing the bunny. The bully. Remember remember the oh, bunny yeah. video y'all liked as a kid? just come up with the bully song. The bully, the bully. The bully, the bully. Yeah, there you go. We could totally do yeah. that. A little remix of the bunny song. Remix of the bunny song. <laughs> That's what we need. Could totally pull off a remix. Right. So th- this is oftentimes the power player in, in the local church um, who has some sort of power or influence. So, yeah, uh, they either have influence because they've been there a long time, so they have some seniority. And right, their opinion, right. Their opinions in the past may have been really helpful, um, but now they're not. Or they have money influence. Usually in a small church, it's that money family or money yep. guy that knows I'm covering the pastor's salary and mm-hmm. you know the air conditioner's work because I'm here, and everybody else's little piddly tithe, you know, Which never going to get dangerous because then sometimes, as we've seen before, it's that person that feels they can leverage and control things to make go their way because they've Not got sometime, but a lot of, a lot of times seen they, it a lot of times. They've got pull and control in a big area. So speak to the pastor that's dealing with someone like that in their in their church. How do you handle that? First thing I do is try to build a relationship with them and find out where they are spiritually. If they're shallow and weak spiritually, it's a problem. It's a big problem that you got to stay very aware of. And somehow you got to ask God to help minimize their voice or remove them. 
Bullies can't bully spiritual leadership and everything go fine. Spiritual leadership of the church needs to be leading the church in the direction that God's called it to go. Evangelism, discipleship, um, whatever the programs, as we call them, that you pick decide to use to help get you into your mission. I'm trying to evangelize this part of the community or we're trying to reach out to our single moms or whatever. You can't do that if the bully is constantly bullying. It just can't happen. So somehow he has to be minimized or asked to leave. And for some bullies, it's a, you have to go down. Um, I've seen God remove bullies just because the church decided to tell them we don't agree with your opinion enough that they get their feelings hurt because mm. bullies tend to be real sensitive after they bully. <laughs> you know, they think everybody's supposed to follow them. And then you, it's, you know, it's the, the Andy Opie Taylor thing. When you finally stand up to the bully, he's not as tough as he thought he was. You know, he doesn't really want to fight. Um, he just wants to be able to talk a lot. So, um, Sometimes you can get some a couple of people in church to stand up to them and go, hey, we don't agree with you um, because we'd rather agree with our pastor and we hear your point, but we don't agree with you. Sometimes that bully will go away. Sometimes he'll reform, you know, but if he doesn't go away, you can't let him keep bullying the spiritual leadership of the church. The spiritual leadership should take leadership role. Sure. And this ultimately boils down to just the fact that that's just not healthy. Yeah. And, and when it's a financial thing, you go, man, but if he leaves our church, yeah. we can't afford anything. That's a no trust God moment right there. When you're saying that, you're you're God. you're saying the money comes from a man, not from God. The support of our church is from man, not from God. If the mission of the church and the call of the church is for the glory of God, for the kingdom of God, for God's purposes, one guy's money is nothing compared to the riches that Christ has for that church. Right now, maybe there might be some lean weeks, and we might turn the air conditioner off and put some fans in the windows. And they're done that. <laughs> yeah, but. We can also say, hey, we're following after God, not man, and we're trusting God, and he's going to restore this his way, his time. Exactly. And the people, by the way, will respect that much greater than as a pastor, you going, well, we're going to do it that way because he wants to do it because, you know, he's the guy that bought our church van for us, or he's the guy that, you know, makes makes the salaries work. And Nehemiah dealt with. Big time. Yeah, so, big time. He had to buy. Plenty of that from to, Nehemiah. <laughs> Tobiah, the, the governor of Samaria who literally began to physically attack him. Yep. Nehemiah drew up an army, a little army against him and said, man, every time you attack, we're going to blow the horn. We're going to run to where you're attacking and we're going to beat you up. Not going to mess with my wall and my people. Not recommending that for our pastors, by the way. <laughs> Depends on what's happening. Depends on what's happening. So, um, but yeah, I mean, you have to face down the bullies and you have to go, hey, stop bullying. You know, you just have to stop bullying. So if we have anybody call us and tell us that they got any physical fights this week, I'm blaming you. <laughs> okay. I'm out. I'm out on okay. that one. Yeah. Totally out. Yeah. But <laughs> you really, no you really, you really can face down the bullies, stand up to them. You have to get a core, of, a core of those servant leaders, that first category, core of those to go with you. Um, maybe, but you got to stand up to them and go, Hey, you're, you're not right about that. Absolutely. So. All right. And then in terms of leadership moments, is there anything that you'd like to round us out here for this episode just to kind of address the idea of leadership or how this all fits into just a final round out with? Well, I love I love Nehemiah, Nehemiah 6 where Nehemiah says to all the complainers outside the wall that aren't. Helping, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he just says they're calling him to a meeting. They're literally trying to get him yep. to come to a meeting so they can distract him. Um, and discourage him. And he says, look, I'm doing a great work of God. I don't have time for you guys. Yep. And people that are complainers, the doubters, the downers, the complainers, 
sometimes as a pastor, you just got to go, I don't have time to hear your complaints because I'm doing a great work of God. Yeah. I'm busy the work, the work I'm doing <laughs> is way more important than hearing little complaints. And there have been a number of times in the past of this church where I serve now, I should have said that. If I'd have had the Nehemiah dialogue, I would have said it better. Um, but it's like, you know what? I, I don't care if you don't like our bulletins. I don't care if you don't like our carpet. Right. <laughs> I don't care about any of that. You know, I'm sorry that you don't like the colors we repainted. Um, but I'm doing a great work of God, and I'm going to stay focused on that. That's right. So not t- I don't have time for your complaints. And I think that's a really important leadership uh, moment, and I think it's really healthy for that. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. And all of this, I think— just beautifully parallels everything that we do and help churches with yeah. at, a, at that level. So it's really cool to see the, the parallels between Nehemiah and church revitalization and it really is something church re- replanting to actually play out in scripture. And, yeah. and there's really a, there's really. a church not far from us. It's under the shadow of our steeple that we've helped more recently. Uh, they're about a year into their restoration. Yep. I think when they get two years in, we can probably put them on podcast with us because we'll know a lot more about that. Uh, but we'll get their their remnant. There's a remnant of four people still there. Oh yeah. Um, we'll get their you know young new pastor in, and we'll we'll, we'll basically take all this same stuff and say, um, you know, here's here's how you got there. You know, Nehemiah. If you study Nehemiah, he prayed at every turn. He prayed, 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 and that little church prays about everything they do all the time. Um, so they're so they're living out that revitalization out of Nehemiah, uh, really without even knowing they're doing it. That's what they're doing. Yep. Uh, you got to remember Nehemiah two seventeen, which is uh, we should we should say this on our podcast yeah. because the the theme of our ministry six fourteen is my life verse, which is what we call our ministry, um, which is that you should um, only glory in the cross, but. The purpose of our ministry is Nehemiah 2.17, where Nehemiah says, uh, we just capture the phrase, come let us rebuild. But right before he says that, he says, we're in a very bad situation yep. to the people of Israel around this wall that's torn down. We're in a very bad situation. Come let us rebuild that we may no longer be reproached. So we, we can be stand up for the glory of God. Exactly. Come let us rebuild. So that's a great rally cry to your church. Let's rebuild for the glory of God so that we're not uh, being shameful as God's people. And if you're in a bad situation, okay. It's okay. That's right. Come let us rebuild. Let us rebuild. All right. And just as a reminder, I'll be sure to drop the links to those sermons in the show notes for everybody so that you guys can There's go a bunch of them. We went through the whole book. Listen to any of that series that you want to, any of our pastors or church leaders who might want to draw some uh, some leadership tips. and Yeah, and we'll be, we'll be uh, you and I will be in Douglas. We will. Maybe when this launches, I'm thinking, uh, we'll be in Douglas, Georgia at uh, Matt Rutland's church, yep. which has a very long name, First Congregational, First Congregational Christian, Christian church, church of Douglas. Of Douglas. Um, but we'll be there, and in the evenings, I'm going to be doing a series based on uh, Nehemiah. So um, really helping that church kind of grab hold of the rebuild. Yep, the passion so, for Nehemiah. To be so if you guys have, have some uh, slots where you want your people to learn that, let us know, and we'll, we'll get you on the schedule as well. Yep, absolutely. All right, guys, that's going to do it for us today. Thanks for listening to this episode of Rescuing Churches. We hope you found everything helpful and inspiring as always. I'm Josh. That's Stan, silent partner Mike. We'll catch you guys next time. 
You've been listening to Rescuing Churches, a discussion for the local church and its leaders. This show is brought to you by 614 Ministries. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter at 614 Rebuild and visit us online at 614ministries.org. Also, subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you enjoy your podcasts. Thanks for listening.